0: turns out that the Pirates in 2020 spent significantly more money than most people thought they would, and at the same time, dramatically less than anyone thought that they would. If you're confused, stay with me. Good morning to you. Good Monday morning from Cincinnati. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports, and this is the newly reborn DK Sports Radio Podcasting Network. I'm in Cincinnati for football, Steelers and Bengals tonight, but had some baseball on my mind over the weekend. On Saturday evening, the Associated Press put out a story that doesn't get very much attention, even though it really, really, really should. It comes out this time of year, every year, for the longest time. The Major League Baseball Players Association, and I found this out when I was on the beat, leaks out the real payroll numbers to a a fine reporter named Ronald Blum, who's worked for the AP forever. And it's the Players Association's way of making sure that the data that gets out there is accurate. And here's what it means before I give you these numbers, because they're all interesting, but so is the background. Every year, We go into spring training fussing over payroll. What's payroll going to be? What's payroll? And then when it comes out, it's opening day payroll is this. There's even lists of historic opening day payrolls. Opening day payroll means nothing. Not a dollar has actually been paid. Rosters change dramatically over the course of the season. Players are added. Payrolls grow. Players get traded away. Payrolls shrink. Bonuses get paid. There's all kinds of different things that take place over the course of the actual year to change payroll. And yet we still, for whatever reason, persistently reference opening day payroll. So if I asked you what the Pirates opening day payroll was in 2020, you'd probably have at least a skeleton of an answer. You'd say it was probably in the low 50s or whatever because you heard it discussed a lot. Well, that figure means nothing. It's a projection. It's looking at all the salaries on the 25-man roster that day, meaning the day of the season opener, and saying, that's the payroll. It's ridiculous. Anyway, so this AP thing that comes out every year, every December, is the official, agreed-upon, verified figure between Major League Baseball and the Major League Baseball Players Association on what a given team spent on player payroll over the course of that year. The Pirates figure for 2020 was $24.1 million. That was 29th out of Major League Baseball's 30 teams. And if 24.1 sounds crazy, crazy low to you, There's a reason for it. I mean, they played 60 games rather than 162, so everything was prorated. If it had been a normal 162-game season, the Pirates' payroll would have been 65.1 million, which is way higher than what most people thought it was. To repeat, everyone was saying that it was going to be right in the range of around 50. Uh, Some people were... Ripping the pirates like crazy that it was going to be below 50. 65.1 million, if it had been that, and again, remember that's the prorated hypothetical here, if it had been that, still would have been way low. I'm not here to justify the pirates spending. I'm just here to try to make sure that we're working with the right information. If you rip them repeatedly, with the wrong information, you're not having an impact. Trust me on that. I know that from their side. When they hear people ripping them with wrong information, it rolls right off. You have to have the right information or it makes no difference. Not to them and not to anybody who could do anything about their spending or other things that you might not like about them. You have to get the information right. The Pirates payroll ended up being what would, again, what would have been $65.1 million because they had players to pay, tons of them who were hurt. Chris Archer got his full salary for not pitching a single pitch in 2020. That was a big chunk of change. When other guys got hurt, and you'll remember that roughly two-thirds to three-quarters of the team at one point or other was on the injury list, they kept having to get replaced by players called up from the Altoona satellite camp. There had to be moves made. The players who get hurt don't stop getting paid. The players who come up to replace them don't play for free. So it all kind of snowballs. This is why I advise this every single year. I know nobody likes to do it because we're a Instant gratification society, we have to know everything right now. But you don't know the numbers until you get to the end of the year, to December. So when you get down to looking back historically, and this is the only thing we do on our website, it's a longstanding news policy. When we refer to payrolls, we refer to end-of-year payrolls. We refer to what the team actually spent. That way, if they did make a bunch of trades to add salary the way the pirates did, for example, in 2015, they get credit for that. However, if they dump people over the course of the year and slash payroll, like let's say at the trade deadline, they absolutely do not get credit for that. It's just trying to keep things accurate. Are they underspending? Yes. But the biggest lesson to cull from this Story, yet again, is that there are teams in the majors that are spending three times, four times, what the Pirates are spending. The Los Angeles Dodgers, your newly crowned heroic World Series champions, have now been the top spending team in baseball four years in a row. The Yankees right behind them. The Rays set the exception for everybody, and boy, do the big spenders love when that happens because it's, look at that, the system is absolutely fair, look at the Rays, look what they're doing, the Rays have no rings, no rings, in large part because their payroll is so low, and even all their genius can't account for the depth that you need to win in multiple playoff series. It's a terrible system. It's the worst system in sports. It's now the only system in sports that is not a salary cap. It's absurd that year after year after year we have to keep looking at these numbers and parsing them and wagging our finger over them, when in the other sports, for the most part, you don't even know or care who your owner is. Because a cap system isn't just about a spending limit the way so many people incorrectly think. It's an entire system. It's a cap system that also involves a cap floor that is not very far from the cap maximum. It's never more than a $20 million gap, which is nothing when building a roster. There's also increased revenue sharing that allows everyone to spend within that cap range hear all the time, oh, Bob Duddy will never, ever spend to the maximum. Wouldn't matter. He'd be forced to spend within the cap range. If your range is between, let's say, 140 and 160, and that's probably where a baseball cap system would take it. Let's say it's between 140 million and 160 million. On a 23-man roster, or 25, I'm sorry, 25-man roster, 26-man roster, whatever it is that they put together, Makes no difference. Virtually no difference. That's just an addition and a subtraction. Has no bearing on the way your team is built. We would have that whole Bob Nutting is killing this franchise narrative buried a million times over, even if it's completely accurate now. It would just be dead and gone. No one would know or care who the guy is, except for issues of, you know, accountability and firing people and so forth. But you wouldn't sit there and count every penny. Baseball's created this culture where fans do that. Not just in Pittsburgh. They do it everywhere. They do it everywhere. And it's yet another in a long, long line of ugly traits about modern baseball that's turned off so many fans. And I'm gonna say it one more time, not just in Pittsburgh. When we come back, just one question. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. Welcome back. It's time for Just One Question, and that's brought to you on this program always by our friends at Mike's Beer Bar on the North Shore, directly across Federal Street from PNC Park, the Willie Stargell statue. I went down to Mike's myself over the weekend, picked up dinner for the whole family, and Mike asked me to remind you that he's got a couple of pretty ridiculous specials going on right now. If you buy three crawlers, you get three free. <laughs> I he told me that, I didn't believe him. It's actually true. That's still going on. Three crawlers, you get three free. Uh, he's also doing a mix and match set of uh, mystery six-packs for $15. If you go down there and pick up one of these mystery six-packs for the 15 bucks and and tell him that I sent you, he'll also throw in a free Mike's Beer Bar t-shirt. Today's Just One question comes from Michael Schwartz, who asks, What do you think the Pirates will do at first base with Colin Moran kind of finding his power last year and Josh Bell not finding his first half of 2019 self? Do you think they try and trade Moran at his peak value, platoon the two, or trade Bell? The first way I'll answer that, Mike, is to share with you uh, a comment that Derek Shelton made last week in a Zoom call that he had with us reporters. And and I can tell you from being on that call that his intonation was such that this wasn't an accident. When he came up uh, in going around the diamond, when he started working around who was going to play where and who would have starting jobs and and where there would be competition, He didn't just say that Josh Bell is playing first base. He said that Josh Bell and Colin Moran will get at bats. we Will both get at bats. That was the wording that he had on it. Now understand that he's not, meaning Shelton, in a position to make any sort of definitive pronouncements right now. Because we still don't know for some insane reason whether or not the National League will have a designated hitter in 2021. No idea what they're waiting for on that. I mean, just say it one way or the other. If there is a DH, Moran is a candidate for that, um, to say the least, on this roster. Because, as you say, he did get his power going. Uh, His average still wasn't what you want it to be. His on-base was kind of okay. It wasn't wasn't great. But he did hit the ball out of the park, and he did drive in runs. And that is what you want to see out of your DH. The other thing you want to see out of your DH is... Um, how to word this gracefully, someone who can hit the ball, but not necessarily catch it. Now, Josh Bell is statistically and to the naked eye, the worst defensive first baseman in baseball. So it's not as if they're replacing, uh, Colin Moran at first base with, uh, a wizard at that corner of the diamond, but you do want that player to be somebody who isn't inherently valuable to you on defense. And at least between Moran and Bell, you don't have much from which to choose in that facet. Uh, How will they handle it? Ask me again after there's a DH announcement. That's my punting answer on this. But if, if there is no DH, and for them to be waiting this long on it, I'd have to think that there won't be one. In this year, if there is no DH, uh, my feeling is that you still, you still have to go with Bell. Um, He's just not very far removed from doing something extraordinary in the majors with what he did in the first half of 2018. And you'd be nuts to not try again to recapture that. Good question. Thanks so much for that. Appreciate it. And appreciate everyone listening today. We'll be back with another Daily Shot of Pirates tomorrow.